What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 127, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Forsaken. Forsaken! Now, guess what we are not, Zach? We are not in our studios. I was gonna go with Forsaken, but we're not in our studios either. <laughs> we're not Forsaken no, either. No, we're not. So you know, so so now we all know what needs to happen next. That was the high five. That was the high five. And complicating matters is that we are actually recording on location. So Brent, yes, our respective significant others are looking at fossils. Yes, and this is proof that we are alive because they are not here. Uh, proof that we are alive because they are not. He- I'll go with it. Sure. Fine. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, no, we're, we're, it'll, it'll work. It'll be just fine. Uh, the, the, um, I was also trying to come up with some like goofy tie in to how we are on the planet where a crashed transport ship is uh, because the scenery looks kind of similar. As a matter of fact, you know, here, here's something interesting Eastern Iowa, right here. Yes. Looks an awful lot like the Pacific Northwest. It really does. I think I see, uh, uh, what was his name? What was the captain's name? There he is, right Aiden, over there. Aiden, Aiden Corso. Aiden oh, Corso is right he, over there. He's just, wait, wait, and Warwick is peeking out of the the the, uh, the bushes over there. Can he's you? right behind you! Oh my goodness! Anyway, there we go. Oh, sorry. Here we are. <laughs> now, friends, you're listening to us going, these guys are fantastic. That's what you're saying. You're saying that these guys are fantastic. And we are partly fantastic because we're independent. We are independent. That's right. We've been an independent podcast since the beginning. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. We've got tiers and privileges, and Zach will tell us a bit about that in a second. One of the things that we do, a couple of things, is that we uh, create Patreon-first audio content. We will uh, do a show, Zach and I, um, Stargate Second Chances, where based off of your votes, uh, we re-watch an episode of Stargate and talk about it a second time and give it a re-ranking. Zach and David also do The Other Side of the Gate, where they talk about some spoilery things, some big thematic things. Every now and again, uh, well, only once was uh, I able to participate in that one. But still, uh, it's not just spoilers. It's not. It's also other things. It's extra stuff. It's extra stuff. That's a good way to say it. Uh, And if you're saying to yourself, wait a minute, I don't want to be forced into providing dollars in order to hear stuff. I want to be able to come up and hear everything. Anyway, I've got good news. The whole aim of our little project is to create interesting things and then post it so people can enjoy it. The end. That includes the Patreon stuff. So if you uh, can't or won't uh, support on Patreon, no sweat. Uh, We will eventually release all that stuff on the main feed uh, as time goes on when we take breaks or whatever. So uh, if you have uh, a dear good friend of yours who you think would really like to listen to us, they can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and Podcast Aggregators. That's actually the right way to say it. That was on the fly. So there you go. Yeah. Instead of like random person on the street, it's no, if you know somebody who would enjoy our content, there you go. That's the way to say there it. There you right? go. And if you forget this, Brent, you can listen back to episode 127. 127. And I'm telling you right now so that when you listen to 127, you'll know to go back to 127. 127. Got it. Yep. Okay. So uh, I see another note here. Is this uh, current? This is have... current. Okay. We have a special thank you. We got another uh, Patreon supporter. Thank you to Kevin. Thank you very much. Uh, if you, dear listener, uh, want to hear a thank you from us, so you could just do so at Walking Through the Star... No, that's not it. Um, it's patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. <laughs> that is it. 
That's true. Uh-huh. So, uh, Zach, if somebody wants to let us know that um, we should try to do more on-location recording uh, in various parts of the great, uh, uh, I guess, U.S., um, how might they... How might they do that? Well, if you have the perfect location for where we can go on location and record our podcast, you can let us know by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com, uh-huh. which is, you know it. It's to- you it's, totally know yes. it. You don't need me to no, say it. you've heard it 126 times. Yes, exactly right. More than that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Email us at walkingthroughthestargate. Let us know what that is, and if it's a long way from the Midwest, then... Uh, provide dollars so that we can get <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yes, I like that plan. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, or you can go to Twitter at Stargate Walking. Facebook, of course, you've got the Walking Through Stargate Facebook page and Facebook group. And you could also visit our website, wtts.space! We're outside. Did you, actually, we are We are totally... That's okay. Oh, wow. We no, that's going to be... that out. Well, yeah. When, uh, when I go and fix this uh, in uh, post, that's probably going to be garbagey. But that's okay. So it's, this is what it's like when we are recording somewhat on the fly outside. Yeah, yeah, we have no idea about levels, so we just we just go. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Anyway, and you can, of course, go to patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate, and you do all of that stuff. You can do that. Uh, Brent, we do have to record oh, yeah. an episode on The Knot. That's right. We have right. to rewatch that and record that. Yes. And we also need to record the first episode of... Oh, right! Stargate Infinity. Holy cow, we got a lot to go do. We've got a lot to do. Holy smokes, <laughs> you, I just need a little bit less I was going busyness. to say, you've got a lot going on. So, you know what, let's just say this, like, okay, so your show is in mid-November? Mid-November. Okay, so there's a decent chance we could do the Knox in October. Yeah. Decent. Decent. But we got to definitely get that on the books. Yep. We'll talk about that later. And Infinity, that's going to be after your show is done. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we'll, we'll, but we'll get Infinity out there for you. Yeah. So... With all of that, Brent, yes, are you ready to talk about Forsaken? Let's get into it. We are not Forsaken. No, we are not. Right. There's, there's, but this there's, episode there's is around. Forsaken. By name, yes. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so, the director for this episode is Andy Makita. Uh-huh. Uh, this is his third of three directing credits this season. He did Cure and Unnatural Selection. Mm-hmm. And the teleplay is by Damien Kindler. This is the first season we've heard his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did The Other Guys, The Cure, Sight Unseen... He did this one. He's got one more this season. Gotcha. Okay. Guest actors. We've got a lot of guest actors in this. Yeah, we did. All right. We'll start off with Aiden Corso, who's played by Martin Cummins. Mm-hmm. He was born in 1969 in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Uh, most recently, like like right now, as we're recording this, he has been in four seasons of Riverdale. Hmm. Uh, and then he did seven seasons of When Calls the Heart. Uh, which I think is a Canadian show. And I think we've talked... That rings a bell. That could be. Yeah. Um, but those are somewhat concurrently, so I don't know how he's doing it. He's sure. pretty impressive. Um, other shows that he's been in include Away, Unreal, Eureka, V, Kyle XY, Smallville, Dark Angel, Mantis, 21 Jump Street, and lots and lots of others. Mm-hmm. His first IMDb credit came in 1987 uh, in the TV series Danger Bay. Ah. And uh, he played the episode. Uh, he played the episode. <laughs> he played the character Bill in the episode. It's a jungle in there. Oh, in there. In there. See, it's play on play on words. They, yes. they, they, they took the phrase. It's jungle out there. And they flipped it around. And they flipped it and put it in there. It would, you didn't see that coming. I, I'm speechless. <laughs> 
So we also have Sarah Deacons. She plays Tannis Renard. Uh-huh. She was born in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Hey, all right. Two British parents. Uh, oh, I got to read this out because this is actually her mini oh. biography. Gotcha. Okay. Here we go. All right. Born in Kenosha, Wisconsin to British parents, multi-award winning actor, writer, director Sarah Deacons spent the first year of her life in Chicago hmm. until her parents decided to move to Canada. Mm-hmm. A graduate of the University of Victoria Theatre program, Ms. Deakins has extensive stage and screen credits. Mm-hmm. The first short film she penned and starred in, Late, went to Cannes as part of the telefilm Canada's Not Short on Talent program. Hmm. And more recently, Deakins has collected over 25 awards on the festival circuit as the writer and director of Grease, produced by Bright Light Pictures. She is the creator, writer, director of the pilot episode Yellow with Bright Light Pictures for a series that will be exclusively written and directed by women. Mm. Ms. Deakins makes her home in three main cities, splitting the year between L.A., Toronto, and Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's... That's three. That three, and also, you know, I guess L.A. and Vancouver are close, quote-unquote. Yeah, no, they're not that close, but, yeah. You know. I mean, when you look at the difference between Vancouver and Toronto, you, that's about the same as L.A. and... Not quite, but, I mean, I know what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's so the, what is the Vancouver to L.A., it, that's got to be 1,500 miles, and yeah. Vancouver to Toronto's 3,000? Meaning, you like, you know, yeah, yeah, it's, there's, a, yeah. there's a bundle of miles there. So, uh, Ms. Deacon's... Uh, first IMDb credit came in 1994 in the movie Sleeping with Strangers, mm-hmm. and she played Bank Teller. Ah, yes, the great character Bank. The great, the great. I can't. Great, great, the, yes, the, what the, are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, a great tell. Uh, whatever. I don't know. And now yeah. I'm screwing it up. Now, I will say uh, that I learned this from the uh, the commentary. She uh, actually auditioned for several different parts over the last several years Mm -hmm. for Stargate, Mm -hmm. and none of them panned out, obviously, but Mm -hmm. this one did. So we say congratulations. There we go. Nice. That's pretty awesome. We have David Petkow. Mm -hmm. I probably mispronounced that. I think it's Uh, But he plays Lyle Pender. Yes. uh, The other of the uh, Hebridans. Uh, he was born on November 10, 1972, in Vancouver, British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is an actor and producer known for Flashpoint, Goon, and Man of Steel. Hmm. Okay. He's actually starred, he's been in episodes of Smallville, and he was on Man of Steel, ah. which is interesting. That, that is interesting. You know, there you go. Uh, his first IMDb, cre- IMDb credit came in 1998 in the movie disturbing behavior he played tom cox okay there you go there you go we say hello once again to dion johnstone i wondered i didn't notice the name in the title or that well anywhere but point is, is that i saw uh the guy warwick work yep, work and uh it, he i mean i'm starting to be able to recognize him through the makeup mm-hmm. maybe that's better that's the sure. way to say it but I mean, you can it's see the it eyes. in the eyes. Yes. Even when he's wearing weird contacts, yeah, you can see yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and if you listen carefully, you can hear it in the voice. Yeah. Um, this character had one more close to his more natural voice, whereas uh, a couple weeks ago when we did Metamorphosis and he played Wodan, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. he definitely manipulated his voice a lot more. In yeah, that one. that's right. Um, so we say hello to Dion. Um, suffice it to say, this is not the last time we'll see Dion. Nice. Uh, I'm glad for that. 
Um, we have Trevor Jones, who plays the other alien. Oh, yeah, the one that dies. The one that dies. <laughs> now, Trevor is known uh, for his work on War for the Planet of the Apes, oh. The Butterfly Effect, and The Incredible Hulk. He is mostly a stunt guy. Oh, okay. So, in fact, he has 151 credits as a stunt performer in IMDb. Nice. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, we actually did see him in a previous episode of Stargate, in the episode Beast of Burden. He played a different Unas. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, his first IMDb credit came in 1997 when he was in the Police Academy, the series TV show. Okay. He was the stunt double for Jeremiah Burkett, who played mm. Dean Tackleberry. Gotcha, okay. There you go. Uh-huh. And then, of course, we also say hello again to Rob Lee, who plays Major Pierce. Yes. I don't remember Major Pierce. Who's he, Major Pierce? He was the leader of SG-15. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. We've yes. seen him before. Yes. So, yep. in any case, the original air date yeah. for this was February 5, 2003, in the UK. Uh-huh. And in the US, it was February 21st, 2003. Mm-hmm. In both the U.S. and the U.K., they were still listening to the songs that they were listening to, All I Have by Jennifer Lopez featuring L. Cool mm -hmm. and All the Things She Said by Tattoo. There you go. There you go. All right. Now, in the box office, we yeah. are watching yeah. Daredevil. Yeah. That's still number one. Yes. Old School. Oh, gosh. And yeah. quite frankly, Daredevil, that movie is pretty old school. I guess. Yes, that's true. Um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Um, sure. I don't know. You, you, you can, can do that. You can do it. You can do that. <laughs> you can probably do it in less than 10 days if you try. Uh, the Jungle Book 2 is number four. Uh-huh. Okay. And Chicago rounds out the top five. Okay, there we go. There you go. What was happening at this point in time? Uh -huh. Well, on February 18th, this was three days before this episode aired uh -huh. in the U.S., the Comet C-2002V1, or NEAT, makes a <laughs> perihelion... Uh-huh. Uh, seen by Soho. You could tell me more about what that means. Yeah, Soho, I, um, like 80% sure they're talking, there's like a satellite that was named Soho, I think. And it was doing like solar observations, I think. And perihelion is uh, like where it's the closest, it's it's the lowest part, part of an orbit. So when you're talking about a comet, perihelion is where it's closest to the sun. Got it. I think. So if the solar observing satellite saw the comet when it was closest to the sun, I bet you that those two things are related. So it was watching the comet get closer to the sun. Now, what happened after that? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know if the comet was all like, whatever, no sweat. So I, I think it was there. actually a spacecraft. <gasps> you think so? Uh -huh. Crashing? Maybe. Oh. Probably not because oh. we, they didn't talk about the comet crashing. It was True. Just, it was just... It was just going around the sun? Going around the sun, just, just yeah, zipping just, around, just testing thing. things out, checking us out, making yeah. sure that we aren't a danger to anybody else in the galaxy. Maybe maybe testing a new propulsion system based it, off of uh, ice and dust. Ooh, mm -hmm. there you go. <laughs> maybe it's a dead ship that has been coated <gasps> in ice and dust. Oh, man! Maybe it's a dead ship from millions of years ago. Ooh. Yeah, we're, we're having fun in this. All right, all right. So also on February 18th, <laughs> yeah. uh, nearly 200 people die in the Ooh. Daegu subway fire in South Korea. I vaguely remember that. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, it's not good that it happened. Good that you remember. I don't remember. No, but I mean, it's a big deal. I mean, yeah. Um, on February 20th, during a Great White concert uh, in West Warwick, uh -huh. Rhode Island, a pyrotechnics display sets the club ablaze, killing 100 
and injuring over 300 others. Yeah, they, the, the, I think with just about every single story of an entertainment venue catching fire and a whole lot of people getting hurt, they all have a very common theme, locked doors. Yeah, see that's why you have crash bars on doors. They had them chained in this place. What? So if I remember right, the, they chained the emergency exits because people kept punching them open to let people into the club. And so they chained them to keep people from doing that so that everybody uh. had to go through the, exactly. Exactly. And then Great White was all like, we're gonna have a great show. Woo! We're gonna light stuff on fire. Woo! And they had like sound absorbing foam or something on the ceiling and that's what caught fire. And oh, then and the then, whole thing went up. Yeah. Downhill from there. Okay. Well, on February 21st, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Maher's political talk show, Real Time with Bill Maher, debuts on HBO. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. And on February 22nd, Pakistani uh, pace bowler Shawib Akhtar mm-hmm. bowls the fastest ball recorded in cricket history at 100.2 miles per hour. Dang. Yeah. That's fast. That is fast. Good luck hitting that. Yeah. All right. But here's the thing, though. Yeah. Did he hit? Did, was he able to hit the wicket at that speed? He probably did. It probably wouldn't have made a big difference in the world scheme of things if he hadn't hit the wicket. Because no. you have to hit the wicket. Yes. I mean, I guess you could try to get the guy to swing. I don't know. I don't know about cricket. Once upon a time, I learned about cricket. Mm-hmm. And then I went to a cricket match. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. So, But I forgot a lot. So <laughs> I listened to, this was a number of months ago, I listened to a, an Australian podcast that in this particular episode, they were talking about cricket and they were trying to explain cricket to Americans. Ah. And they did a terrible job because they were talking about cricket to Americans who don't know cricket yeah. in a similar manner to how we would talk about football or basketball to somebody who doesn't know football or basketball. Yeah. We start using terms yes. and things like first down, second down. You have to try to get 10 yards and you can pass. But if you you can only do forward passes, but you can't do backwards passes. But and, and, and yes, it's football, but you can't kick the ball. No. Um, and well, then you there's can, fumbles. But there's very but there's specific, specific examples. Yeah. You, know, all the, <laughs> you get lost real quick. And yes. I'm like, mm. yes. So, so cricket is Wickets a sport. And, bowling and, bat, and there are two batsmen. teams. Yes. Got it. Okay, that's as far. And and you know, I, like I mentioned, I went to a match, and it was a lot of fun. Partly because what's fun about going to sporting matches: mm-hmm. drinking beers, having sausages of various kinds, and cheering when the home team does a good job. There you go. That that you can do that. Yay! Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you just wait for everybody else to cheer, and then you then you join them. That's exactly right. That's right. Okay, we got some trivia. Okay. All right, number one. Among the various golden artifacts that Jonas has displayed to test Tannis uh, is the crown that played an integral role in MacGyver, the treasure of Manco. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> and I have to say here... Okay, so I'm not an archaeologist. I'm not a curator in a museum, but I have done enough study about this stuff... Yes. ...that... that I was offended by how he was manhandling oh, oh, that stuff. Oh, we'll get into it when we get into it. I was like, oh, and then he drops it. I'm like, ah, ah. I mean, good gracious, I wouldn't handle my silverware at home but, like that. But it was it was just shiny. It wasn't necessarily valuable. Anyway. I'm giving him the look. He's uh, Boy, normally I can't see looks. I gotta tell you, friends, that was some stern look. Yeah. So. 
<laughs> Normally we just do this and it's like I just I can just hear you. Yeah. I can't I can't I can't like get the withering glare. No. Yeah. That's because our internet wouldn't support easily uh, the video call. We've tried it before. And it oh, didn't we did try that. Nah, and it just yeah, didn't work yeah. so good. So we just did audio. Yes. And that works a lot better. Yes. Yeah. Um the photograph at the beginning of the woman. Yes. Uh, the woman in that is actually Andy Makita's wife. Oh, okay. Nice. Um, so I learned that. That's kind of cool. Uh, apparently, she's also married to an alien. Oh, I, that took me a minute. That took me a minute. She's both married to Andy Makita and Warwick. And Warwick. Oh, no. <laughs> Somebody tell Mr. Makita. <laughs> so long as they're okay with uh, it. I guess that's true. Yeah, you know what? Who uh, am I to fly? Let, just right. let them do their thing. So... At the beginning of this episode, uh, you've got O'Neill who's like, what is that thing? Is it a telescope? How does it work? Right. And all this stuff. Now, if you recall back to the very first episode of Stargate SG-1. Okay. Do you recall where we meet Colonel O'Neill? I don't. However, you're going to tell me something to do with a telescope, and I'm going to have this vague recollection of him. Wasn't he on his roof? He was on his roof. He had a telescope. Yeah. He was looking through the telescope. Yeah. In other episodes, he actually knows things about black holes, like yes. accretion disks and yes. all of this stuff. And so on and so forth. He was the guy who went to the observatory in 1969 uh, that's and confirmed the, the, the solar flares that's there. That's right. That's right? right. He was the one who stayed behind on Cassie's planet. Yeah. To check oh, yeah. the, the, the telescope there and all of that stuff. And they notice that there's a big ship there. And now we get to season six and he's like, I don't understand. He was just playing it up for the laughs. You know what? Stick a pin in that one too. All right. We'll, we'll, a pin has been stuck. We'll, 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 we'll talk about that when we talk about now, it. Now, here is a quote kind of about that um, from Joseph Malazzi. Mm -hmm. Tiny nitpick, but in the opening scene, O'Neill peers through Carter's telescope and remarks on the fact that he can't see anything. She points out that no, he wouldn't because it's daytime. Amusing and all, if not for the fact that the show had already established Jack as a guy who likes to check out the stars at night through the telescope in his backyard. Mm -hmm. Was Jack being purposely dense? Right. Perhaps. In fact, as the series went on, O'Neill became increasingly intellectually relaxed. After oh. some six years of playing the role, I guess Rick wanted to have a little more fun with the character, and that was fine with us, the writers, since it allowed us to do something we always enjoyed doing, bringing the funny. Sure. Less so some of the fans who began to derisively refer to the new, quote, improved O'Neill as Dumb Jack. <laughs> yeah, no. I can, I can appreciate that. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so... Those are my trivia things. Okay. And this episode, in other languages. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Germans <laughs> call it stranded. Ah, dang it. Yes, that, you know, <laughs> the, the Czech call it the shipwrecked ones. Uh, okay. Uh, the Hungarians, the Spanish, and the Italians all say forsaken. Okay. And the French are survivors. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, so nothing terribly exciting. Or, no, or, no. Know. And they definitely don't do the thing of, like, they're really the prisoners. Yeah. No. Nah. So the ones we meet are really the bad guys. The bad guys are not who you think they are. That's right. Although it was pretty obvious from the beginning. Oh, we'll talk about it. All right. Are you ready for the synopsis? <laughs> yeah, let's get into okay, it. Here we go. SG-1 is on an uninhabited planet to do some space research. O'Neill and Carter are setting the equipment up. What's this? It's a telescope. I can't see anything when I look inside. Because you have to wait for nighttime. Oh. 
What's this? It's a tub. No, 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 this. <laughs> the colonel discovers a photograph of a woman just under the dust of the ground. But before they can discuss the question any further, Jonas pipes up on the radio. He and Teal have found something the others must see. Okay. Turns out they found a crashed spacecraft. Upon examination, they rule out the Gould, the Tolan, the Asgard as possible origins. They can't identify where it came from, but it appears to be abandoned. That is, until three strangers arrive, wondering who these people are poking around their spaceship. Mm -hmm. The moment is tense as the two groups introduce each other, but no one wants to begin diplomacy by shooting holes in the other side, so they're okay. They introduce themselves as the Hebridans and describe how they crashed, but unbeknownst to our heroes, but beknownst to us as the audience members, or the Hebridans, or the Hebridans don't know either, they are being watched by two unknown aliens. Oh no! Oh no! SG-1 offers to assist with repairs. It's possible all that is needed is a jump from one of their Naquita generators. So, while Carter and Aiden Corso, the captain of the Severus, examine the ship, the people outside are attacked by the two aliens. The Hebridans seem almost fanatical about taking out those aliens. SG-1 is far more cautious about the process, but do eventually fire back at the attackers. During the shootout, Tannis Renard, Aiden's first officer, is wounded. Despite O'Neill trying to take the aliens alive, the Hebridans are in a take-no-prisoners kind of mood and subsequently kill one of the aliens. The battle ends abruptly as an ear-piercing screech emanates from the ship. It annoys our heroes, but it appears to have a far more significant effect on the lone remaining alien. He runs off, covering his ears. Mm -hmm. O'Neill once answers. Who were they? Why did they attack? Why did you wantonly kill that guy over there? What is going on here? The Hebridans admit that these aliens have been trying to systematically kill them since they crashed. They stole some of the Hebridan weapons and have been using them ever since. They're barbaric. Yeah. Absolutely barbaric. Totally. Now, Renard is hurt. She needs to go back to Earth. Aiden refuses to leave his ship. So Jonas and Sam take the injured Renard back home while the others stay with the ship. Back at the SGC, they report back to General Hammond. Jonas helps Renard to the infirmary while Carter gathers the equipment she needs to hopefully repair the ship. Uh, given the hostile nature of the aliens, Hammond decides to send SG-15 with Major Carter back to the planet. Yep. In the infirmary, Renard's injury apparently isn't too bad. She'll be fine, though her arm will need to be in a sling for the remainder of the episode. She and Jonas talk. She and Jonas flirt. She tells her life story. You know, hard knocks, no family except Aiden and the crew, blah, blah, blah all of that blah, stuff. Blah, blah, blah. Jonas's research highlights some interesting parallels between the Hebridans and ancient Celtic civilization. And since the Hebridans don't know anything about the Stargate, Renard tries to learn as much as she can about said Stargate from Jonas. Mm -hmm. Back on the planet, Carter helps repair the ship while talking with Aiden. Outside, the other alien sneaks to his dead partner to collect what might be the alien equivalent of dog tags. I don't know. But... He is confronted by O'Neill. Mm -hmm. O'Neill once answers, but before they can talk, Pender sees the alien and begins firing indiscriminately. Oh no! Pew, 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 pew. Green bolts all over the place. <laughs> the alien bolts. The alien bolts off into the woods. O'Neill, Teal, and Pender make chase. Back at the SGC, Jonas tries to learn about the Severus. You know the the, the Hebron ship. Yep. 
Hammond visits and informs him that someone tried to hack into the computer system from the infirmary. <gasps> Who could it be? I bet you it was Dr. Frazier. Yeah, it was Dr. Frazier. <laughs> Something is amiss with our guest. But rather than simply confronting her, Jonas has a plan. Uh-huh. Back on the planet, O'Neill and Teal find the camp of the aliens. This doesn't look like the campground of a large group of savages. They hear weapons fire, and Pender gets on the radio that he's cornered the alien. Spoiler, he didn't corner the alien. Uh-huh. Back at the ship, Carter is able to get the power to several systems while the captain attempts to seduce her, but she's not having any of it. Nope. Not at all. She's like, dude, seriously. Back at the SGC, Jonas shows Renard his room. They flirt a little. She kisses him. And suddenly, Jonas is called by General Hammond. And so he has to leave. Uh-huh. What is she going to do? Oh, I don't know. Back on the planet, Carter repairs more systems and suddenly sees a video of an emergency call in which a person calls the Severus a prison transport ship. You don't say. I do say. Wow. I say it. Because I said it. <laughs> they need help. Oh, suffice it to say, Sam was not expecting that. Now, outside, Teal'c and O'Neill are confronted by the alien. Finally, Jack will get the answers he is looking for. Maybe. The alien tells him his name is Warwick Finn and that he is the real captain of the Severus. Inside the ship, Sam confronts Aiden with her Zet Nicotel and informs him about what she has learned. She ties him up while he spins yet more lies. Yep. Liar. Back in the forest, Warwick tells O'Neill that three years ago he transported the prisoners, but an asteroid storm forced them to crash land on the ship, and when he and his first mate went looking for food, the prisoners escaped and killed seven crew members. Since then, the fighting has been constant. O'Neill then shows him the photo of the woman which he found in the beginning, and Warwick identifies her as his wife. Nobody told Andy. She's not a witch. She's his wife. He also asserts that his species, the Sarakin, freed the Hebridans from the Gua'uld thousands of years ago. Did you see how I just kind of just, 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 just kept going? Just going to keep on radio going? Yep. Carter radios O'Neill. They need to talk. Unfortunately, she doesn't notice that Lyle Pender is right there, and he attacks her and knocks her unconscious. Darn. At the Stargate, Jonas and Renard come through and head toward the ship. Woohoo! Yay! Pender frees Aiden. It appears that... They are on to them, you think? When Jonas and Renard reach the ship, Jonas is stunned by Pender. Oh, no. Renard gleefully tells her compatriots of the riches of the Stargate system, far better than what they squirreled away on Hebridon. They begin to hatch a plan. Cunning plan. Cunning. Leaving Carter behind at the ship, with the sonic weapon set to go off, they take Jonas to the Stargate. When Warwick, O'Neill, and Teal'c arrive at the ship, Sure enough, the sonic weapon is triggered. Ah! Ah! Warwick fights through the agonizing pain and manages to get into the ship to turn it off. Now that Carter Carter is freed, it's time to stop the bad guys. At the gate, the prisoners use Jonas as a hostage and try to flee through the Stargate to a stolen address. Jonas tries to de-escalate the situation. No one needs to get hurt. O'Neill, don't shoot the bad guys. Whatever Jonas is talking about, O'Neill lowers his weapon and allows the bad guys to step through the gate. However, on the other side awaits General Hammond and a whole bunch of guns in the gate room of the SGC. Woo! Woo! Go team! The prisoners are arrested 
and Jonas is freed. Yeah! SG-1 gather for Warwick's departure. They ask Jonas how he knew the, to plant the, quote, fake address. Call it intuition, he says. But then he adds that before, while researching Hebridean history, he happened upon a story of a well-known POW vessel also named Severus. So when now confronted with this situation, he wondered if perhaps the ship's name never lost its meaning, mm-hmm. i.e. prisoner associations, yes. down the generations. O'Neill is impressed, congratulates his brilliance, and Jonas goes on, besides, I've never trusted a woman that kisses on the first date. <laughs> <laughs> when they finally say their goodbyes, work thanks them, and O'Neill thanks all of them and O'Neill especially for trusting him, and then leaves wishing that they meet again in the future sometime. The end. The end. Wow. So, Brent. Uh huh. Forsaken. Uh huh. What'd you think? Zach. Yes. Zach. Yes. Why have you forsaken? No, I'm just kidding. Um, this. This episode, I got a hard time with this one. Partly because I think this story was pretty interesting. Well, okay, let me rephrase that. We have seen this type of story before. We've seen the story, not at, not in Stargate necessarily, but in the world. Okay. Of, you know, the, the, the prisoners have taken over the ship or something, right? Like, um, I was immediately thinking of the... Um, not quite the same situation, but the Battlestar Galactica episodes, it came a few years after this, where I can't remember the actor who played the original Starbuck in Battlestar Galactica in the 70s, Hatch was then the like leader of the prisoners in BSG. Sorry, anybody who hasn't seen BSG. Um, It's in the first season. It's one of the first few episodes even. It's literally in the first quarter, I know. But anyway, um, and you know, and so, and then at least that television show did a pretty good job talking about the, Sort of the politics of what could happen with that situation, etc., etc. La 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 la. It was it was good. This one was much more straightforward. It was the oh, you think you know who the good guys are? Oh oh, you don't. These are actually the good guys uh-huh. over here. So it had that. Um, I didn't realize until you were re- reading through the synopsis that Warwick said that they had crashed three years prior. That's what it said, and I, I guess I'd have to go back and watch that's the episode again. That's a long time. time. That's a very long their time. Their beards did not grow very much. No, it didn't. And and all their batteries lasted a long time, too. And they couldn't figure out how to make... Whatever. Anyway. Um, that seems, un- like, implausible now that, you know, as we're talking about it. Also implausible was the... Um, oh, golly, I had it. Uh, there were aspects about the story which were troublesome and not all that clever. Um, but it wasn't heinous it's just it it wasn't surprising mm-hmm. right so um about midway through the episode before the reveal that it was a prisoner transport ship i had the thought cross my mind i wonder if it's a prisoner transport ship now credit the casting director who picks actors and credit the the actors who play the parts such that the trope was existing so that when it was time for the for the reveal, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, of course. Like, 
these are the bad guys. These aren't the good guys. Right. So uh, that's a little bit of how the how the guest actors were playing the characters with that little bit of that smarmy sass, um, a little bit of cavalierness. They kind of had that that angular look that you'll cast in characters when you're trying to get somebody that's kind of looking a little bit edgy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a lot in there that was trying to give me clues that these were actually not the good guys that they claimed to be. And so right. when it happened, it was like, oh, here we are. Like, this is, this is what it is. But um, there was just parts about it that were just kind of, I almost want to call it like awkward. Um, Okay, say more. I think that the flirting between uh, what was the what was the Renard, yeah, Tannis, and, and Jonas. That oh, one. Oh, are you talking about? And oh, you're talking about with Carter. Yes. Uh, um, Aiden. Aiden and Carter. And Carter. Uh, I was getting the read that Carter was supposed to, and Amanda Tapping was playing it pretty reliably. That Carter didn't necessarily oppose the flirtation. Mm-hmm. In fact, she even had a line that basically said. I'll carry on. But she was there to get a job done. Not play around. And that came up that came through. Yeah. And so even though that that those interactions were a little bit forced, they didn't feel like they were very fluid. It didn't feel particularly heinous. Right. Jonas and Renard felt even a little more forced. Which Maybe it was because she was trying to play the femme fatale a little and therefore kind of had to lay it on a little thick. Yeah. Maybe. Um, you know, it was, it was a little bit forced. And combine that with what they were trying to do. It, it, I was definitely thinking that they were trying to ramrod this idea through in yeah. 40 minutes. And, you know, they were, they were having to make storytelling decisions, which were, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a couple of things that were just bad, just like expository lines. One was weird because it felt like um, Terrell Rothery should have been uh, in this episode. And for some reason, maybe she wasn't available because mm-hmm. uh, Renard's line when she was on the hospital bed was a really weird thing to say if you're a patient. She said, okay. well, my internal bleeding has stopped. How does she know? <laughs> and these pain meds are pretty good. Great. I should be on my feet in no time. On my feet in no time is such a Janet Fraser line. I mean, she wouldn't have said my. She would have said, "You'll be on your feet in no feet time." No time. Yeah, like it really did feel like that scene yeah. was supposed to have her in it, mm. and then Terrell wasn't available, so they kind of mushed the words around a bit and and let the actor who was playing Rothery say the whole thing. Not Rothery. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, Renard. Renard. Um, right. <laughs> uh, Renard. Have the actor who played Renard say the whole thing. And it worked, but it was definitely like, like, she had to say a lot. Yeah. We couldn't be seen, shown a lot in that one. She had to tell us a lot. And that one, that felt clunky. Like, and then the cunning plan that Jonas hatched. Oh my goodness. It wasn't the worst, but boy, like, how did he, let's just kind of run it straight. Okay, fine. You figure out that they're prisoners. Maybe they are prisoners who are prisoners because they have murdered and maimed. Maybe they're prisoners because they are uh, political dissidents. Maybe they're prisoners because they have um, lied under oath. Maybe they're prisoners because they have done a host of things that could be illegal, Mm -hmm. rightly or wrongly, 
that aren't stealing gold, Zach. Well, yeah. So <laughs> it, the, it, it's he is very lucky that it worked out the way it worked out. He's like, I got a plan. I'm gonna put all these stupid gold goblets around and clumsily botch them up and be all like, oh man, you should totally see it. The ghoul that does this stuff, holy cow, it's just like, it's just like, it's like cherry picking. Oh my God, it's just the past. And then of course she bites, but she could have just as easily been like, sweet, um, how about we go back? Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things in this episode that happen in this episode because the script says so. Yeah. And there's no really other good reason that it happens. Um, somebody in, I mean, just from the very beginning, right? Somebody in the, the infirmary is, you know, trying to break into the system. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, well, okay, is it her? Probably. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, if, if she, you know... And, you know, at that point in time, she becomes somebody who is questionable from the SGC's perspective. Yeah. Whether or not she's actually a bad person, we don't know, but she's at least questionable because she's poking in things that she shouldn't be poking in. Yeah. Okay. Is it time to confront her? Sure. At this point in time, when Jonas hatches his plans, he saw the the similarities between the Severus and the Severus, right? I'm like, okay... Um, but after that, the plan just really takes a hard left turn. And, and there's even a couple of things. I, I mean, I think I'm being pedantic on this one, but like, I'm like 80% sure it's Keberis that sees in romanticized Celtic language are always pronounced hard. It probably is. Keberis. And, and yeah. so, and so whatever it's not the biggest of deals however the notion that um the phonemes didn't survive is the thing that is a little bit hard to believe well i mean the fact that you would have a phoneme that changes is not all that crazy not crazy but if it's an alien situation and they decide to make the same hard c soft c change as humans on earth do that's a little weird that's a little ser- uh, um, serendipitous. Serendipitous. Ooh, that's a big word. Yeah, oh, it begins with a C. Yes, it does. <laughs> serendipitous. Note. <laughs> we both know that the word serendipitous actually begins with a K. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> with an X. <laughs> <sighs> it's an S sounding Z. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, 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 it's. It's a TS. It's serendipitous. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I was realizing kind of as you were talking about it right now, and then I'll pitch it over to you what you think. Sure. Um, like, the characters were two-dimensional. All of them. Uh, right on down the line. And that's not the... That's, that, that's no sin. They were at least vaguely entertaining as two-dimensional characters. But they weren't 3D. Yeah. We've seen a lot of 3D characters, and we didn't see any in this one. Mm-mm. So, you know, eh. I will say, uh, this isn't really an excuse, but um, when Damien Kindler was trying to finish up this teleplay, yeah, he was ostensibly on vacation, and so his whole family was 
over there vacationing. Yeah. And he was stuck in his room. I tack, gotta tack, finish tack, the tack. story. Tack, tack, I tack, gotta tack, finish tack. the story. <laughs> I know. I'll have the. I'll have one of the main villains. Fat, or, uh, 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 Twitter painted by some gold goblets. There we go. That gets him every time. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So there. Yeah. This is an acceptable episode. Yes. That's a good way to say it. 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 it there's nothing that's heinous about it. Uh, there are things that are not pleasant. Right. Um, you know, the, the, both flirtings are, are forced, uh, especially between, uh, Jonas and Tannis. That's, that's especially forced. It doesn't, Which is a little weird. I know I'm butting into your thing, but That's okay. You keep doing that. Um, (laughs) but, um. Jonas the character in this season has had a few scenes where there's vaguely a romantic thing happening and it always feels a little awkward. Yeah. I mean, it's just like Jonas is like always the one that somebody else seems to be searching for. Right. Until the episode ends and then they go away. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Jonas never seems to be especially interested in getting caught for a lack of a better term. Sure. Um, but it just... It's just weird. And I think part of it is that it's like nobody believes any of these characters are going to stick around. No. I mean, you know, it, it would be one thing if, you know, uh, for instance... Uh, Frasier, right? If Frasier yes. or, or the nurse that yes. we saw there. If the nurse stuck around and we saw that build and develop, then you'd be like, okay. But yeah, nobody has any illusions yeah. that this woman here is going to come back in an episode or two. Nope. Nobody had any illusions when they were on the planet with Cure. Right. And there was that archaeologist that, she, that he was flirting with and she was flirting with him a little bit. Nobody had any illusions that that would return. And... This is what, I, for me, what makes romantic situations on screen uh, viable is when you see both of those characters and you think, well, maybe these characters will come back and we'll see this develop. Even if, in the back of my head, way back, I'm like, well, okay, that's, that's episodic television, we won't see this person again. But, but maybe that moment, and we don't get that with this. And it makes, it makes those moments, it cheapens them. It does. And so it turns into, you know, why are you trying to throw this romantic or quasi-romantic scene into the story uh, if all, it all we are all looking at it going, whatever, fine, okay, there's going to be a crush for 20 minutes, and then right. that's going to be the end of it. You know, and if we were going to play this, that Tannis has a crush on Jonas. Yeah. I would have liked to seen. I would have liked to see some of that before she got injured. Yeah. You know, if we saw even a look that, that she looked at him and just kind of got that sheepish little, little yeah, smile yeah. on it, right. something yeah. that, that said, ooh, yes. I think he's cute at the very least, right. uh, which we didn't get. Yeah. Uh, something at least, you know, there, such that... When they get to the infirmary, it doesn't feel like, oh, the injured damsel is batting her eyelashes at the rescuer. And, and they even hang a lantern on that one. 
no kidding. Anyway, yeah, right. Anyway, okay. So, so, uh, let me properly set it up. Zach, yes. What do you think about this episode? I, it is acceptable. <laughs> That's acceptable. <laughs> you know, it, there. You know, I mean, the idea of this alien species, race, or, or culture. Culture is the best word to talk about. Yeah. That that is a blend of ancient Celtic. Uh, uh, society and culture along with this Serakan alien culture. The fact that you've got a Serakan person and a human person who are married. Yep. Uh, we don't get to see anything more of that, but we hear that. Um, this is interesting to me. Uh, I'm drawn into this. Yeah. Um, we don't experience anything more in this episode on that front. No. Um, but that's a good piece. I like that piece. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they come and they see a crashed ship, and the people on the crashed ship don't know what a Stargate is, that is appealing to me. I'm like, ooh, this is interesting. Let's see where this goes. Uh-huh. Right? Um, the fact that they run into people who are a little salty and they don't necessarily get along, I'm okay with that. Sure. Uh, the writing was on the wall, you know, five minutes. Like, basically, as soon as Warwick and his buddy attacked, and you saw the other ones go absolutely nuts and shooting, just go, I mean, good gracious, that's like, if you put a P90 in my hand and I pull the trigger, I'd be all over the place like that, too. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this is the person who's supposed to know what this weapon is. Yes. What it does. And he's just like, bang, bang, I'm surprised he didn't hit half of his buddies. Yeah, that's, yes. Yes. Uh, you know, so it's just like, as soon as this happens, you're like, oh, we're going off the rails. Well, I was thinking that that was at least plausible in the vein of, look, not every single group of people that we run across in the universe have to be good at what they do. Yeah, but everything up to that point suggests that these are competent people. Yes. And... Yes. If, as we learned later, this has been a situation that has been going on for a protracted period of time, yes. whether it is, in fact, three years or not, right. um, that is only going to happen if there is some level of competence. Yeah. And and this, you know, I mean, he's just like... I mean, the fact that he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn also lends me to believe that they have not been stranded for three years. You know, so <laughs> this is where things break down yes. in this episode. Um, you know, the honestly, Warwick is an interesting character. Yeah. Um, I would love to learn more about Warwick. Uh, the fact that that oh, yeah. sonic sound yeah. had a physiological effect on him greater than other. A the 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 camera work to denote that was good. Yes, it was. Um, you know. The makeup on him was absolutely amazing, and Dion Johnstone did an absolutely tremendous job with that character. Yes. Uh, even the other guy, Trevor, such and such, I can't remember his name. I could look it up. I prob- the dead one. The dead one. Uh, he, Trevor Jones. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was way more work than necessary. <laughs> <laughs> but Trevor Jones did a great job with the the small bits that he had. Yeah. Um, you know, it just. And, you know, and, and I appreciate what they were trying to do. They were trying to tell a story 
about how the ones that look like us aren't necessarily the good guys. Yeah. But they don't get very far with that, and they don't do they they don't flesh that out. But we've had those stories before in Stargate. Well, yes. We didn't need another one. I'm not saying we did. Yeah. I mean, I think that part of the there's definitely a piece of me that was enjoying watching this episode. Mm-hmm. I think in the same vein as you were saying it's acceptable. Uh, like, there was definitely parts about it which were not a profound waste of time, in my opinion. Right. Um, not least of which was that the, 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 the bones of the idea were fine. Now, we've seen, as I mentioned, we've seen this kind of a story in Star Trek. Uh, Wow. Let me back that whole thing up. We have seen this kind of a story in science fiction and other places before. Mm-hmm. Especially the trope of the prisoners have taken over the ship. Like, yes. that's a thing. And um, so it's not novel by itself. However, yeah, there was a lot of kind of neato things that they had put into it. It is a bit of a shame that this is an episode in a bottle. At least it feels like one. Right. I really kind of doubt we're going to be seeing much of any of these people ever again. And so as a result... There are some nice little nuggets of things out there, like as you were mentioning, the right. the uh, the uh, Celtic human descendants who go to another place and then progress after meeting up with uh, the other alien race. The Serakins. Thank you. And um, you know that that's kind of a neato little idea. I would love to go back and revisit that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we will, but whatever. It's certainly not going to be anytime soon because it's come. It's, it, this thing has given me the vibe that this was meant to be a one and done. This was an episodic piece. Not advancing the overall meta arc, I don't think. Um, and, uh, like, just trying to be an entertaining piece of television. The problem is, as an entertaining piece of television, this one was kind of a sleeper. And so, I... This was a popcorn episode. As in, I wouldn't necessarily be all like, Oh man, you gotta watch this, but bring it back of popcorn because it's just... It's going to be a lot of fun. It wasn't a lot of fun, but you know what? It was, it was a bag of chips. It, it, so it, like, it, it is, it is a, acceptable. It is acceptable. Right? You yes. watch this episode. You're not, you know, un, unless something else is going on in with you, if you watch this episode, you're not going to be bored silly. Correct. Um, you are also not going to be enraptured by it. No. Um, you're going to say, hey, okay, that was fun. That was neat. It t- told a story. Yep. Uh, got me from point A to point B to point C to the end, and, and there you go. Uh, everything's wrapped up nice and, and wonderful. Um, it did have a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. You know, uh, a popcorn episode is, is a good way, you know, just just bring something to, to chew on as, <laughs> as you're doing this. Because it won't be the episode. <laughs> it is. You're not going to get any meat from that one. <laughs> not a whole lot of meat with this. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's that's really all I have to say yeah I mean yeah me too I I remember that I I thought I kind of wanted to dig into it a little bit when we were talking this morning I watched the episode this morning I was thinking about it and it did seem like there was more things to point at to go that was kind of weird and that didn't work out and this could have been better but as we kind of talk about it it's like yeah but that might be the way to describe the whole episode that could have worked out a little better (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they could have done more with this. <laughs> and they didn't. So that is what it is. The set, the scenery. Oh, yeah. 
was wonderful. Yeah. Instantly, they were filming this at the same time as they were filming the disclosure stuff from last week. Oh. Um, oh, yeah, that would make sense. You know, so th th this group was on location uh, in this area where they've been many times before. It's a beautiful lake and all stuff, yada, yada, yada. While they were, the other ones were back at the, the main uh, studio filming yep. disclosure. Yep. Um, so, you know, that that's that's all I got. That's so, all I've got. So, Chevron time. Yeah, yeah, it's time for Chevrons. All right. Okay. There are a total of seven Chevrons. Uh-huh. If things are really, really good, you can go to eight and potentially even nine Chevrons. Uh, yeah, I could. Um, how many are you going to give this episode? So, this episode is acceptable. <laughs> it's a popcorn episode that didn't do a particularly good job with what it was trying to do. It wasn't a disaster. I did enjoy watching it, but it, it had more problems than it had good stuff inside it. Uh, I wish that they had taken a little more time with some of the writing to get it a little snappier. I wish they had taken a little more time to show me some things instead of tell me some things. For me, I'm going to give this one a four out of seven chevrons. It's better than bad. <laughs> but is it good? Uh, I'm not going to go that far. Uh, so four out of seven for me. Yeah. All right. So what about you? So I've been really struggling. This is going to be a three, a three and a half, or a four. Yeah. It's right in that mid-link section. Oh, yeah. And I'm trying to decide, because like three and a half is like in the middle, right? It's, it's that halfway point. Um, is it is it a three and a half? Is it straight down the middle? Is it just a little bit less? Is it just a little bit more? You know, I can't make a decision, so I'm going to go straight down the middle to three and a half. <laughs> you know, I think that this episode couldn't make a decision either. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so straight down the middle. You know, that's probably not the right way to say it. It sounds like they were trying to do something, but it was just... It's just mediocre. It, it it's it was just it was just mediocre. Um, yeah. Did I remember to put something on Twitter? I don't know. I I don't know but let me let me check the twitters. Uh, yeah, I think I remember to put something on Twitter. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, we got things. Ooh. Okay. All right. Um, Hit us up with the things. Okay, we got Sean. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. This one's okay, but not vital to the overall story arc. There may be some ethical debates. Hmm. I'm not sure what the ethical debates would be. Uh, prisoners take over? Ah, whatever. There may be some ethical debates. So this one gets a 6 from both of you. Mm. Wow. And a 5.5 from me. Wow. All right. Sean likes it. Sean likes it. Okay. I would really like to hear what <laughs> Sean thinks of as these uh, ethical debates that, that I am not seeing right now. Uh, uh, our good friend uh, David replied back to Sean going, madness. 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 <laughs> Madness. Uh, let's see here. We got Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. This episode isn't great, but I see the possibilities from good discussion, which I know you guys love. So I'll say a six from Zach and a five from Brent. Looking forward to next week. I assume you guys are actually recording together this week. Indeed, we are. Oh, high five. High five. So have fun. We're having a we're having a blast. We're having a good time. We are having fun. I'm kind of interested in what folks are anticipating what the discussion point would have been. So, yeah, I'm thinking about this episode, and I mean, you could talk about prisoners, um, or who to trust, or who to trust, and why you trust them. But 
frankly, I mean, if you look at O'Neill, if O'Neill is the person we look at, if he's the lens through which we look, he doesn't trust these guys from the very beginning. Correct. I mean, even Carter doesn't really trust them. She She's more open to trusting them. She is less visibly distrusting of them. As she says. As she says. Um, but so this isn't really an episode about who do you trust, who do you not. Not really. Uh, because as soon as they start talking to Warwick, immediately like, okay, oh, yeah. this sounds right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also, I mean, like O'Neill was trying several times to bring the other side to the table yeah. in order to get that information. Yep. Um, which is a good thing to do. Yes. So, you know, if your friends want to just shoot the other to- other side, probably not a good thing to do. Unless it is. But probably it's not. Usually not. I'm going to go with usually not. Usually not. Yes. I said probably. Yes. I, I, yeah, we're, yes. We're okay. in agreement. All right. So, uh, we do have some Facebook stuff. Uh-huh. We have Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Rowan says, since my comment on the last episode ended up being uh, forsaken... I'll just have to hope you read this one. <laughs> oh, no. What? Did we miss it? We might have missed it. Uh, I suppose it's possible it came after we recorded. I don't remember. If I missed it, I am very sorry. Uh, looks like, Jack, I have a telescope on my roof. O'Neill suddenly doesn't oh, know yeah. or care how telescopes work. Ah. He also doesn't know why Carter would want to help stranded people from a technologically advanced society. Remind me what it is you do, Jack? Yeah, that's a good point. That's actually a great point. At least, at least Jonas knows what his job is. Charming the ladies. Charming the ladies. That's right. Oh, oh no. It turns out the people who look like <laughs> us are bad, and the scary aliens are actually good. What a topsy-turvy world. <laughs> Time to what? fool them with an absurdly simple ruse and hope they don't murder us before walking into a trap. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, Rowan, you nailed I, that one on the head. I have a cunning plan. All right. Uh, Rowan continues. This episode was better or at least more original than it was in Star Trek, and Kirk rescued Khan and company from the drifting SS Botany yep. Bay. Let's say a four from Brent. <gasps> And yes. a three from Zach. Oh, so Since close. Since the story doesn't feel as well-constructed or on rewatch, this episode has been rated at 7.6 by viewers on IMDb, yeah. which is a 4 on my IMDb to Chevron rating, nice. conversion scale, putting it in the bottom half of Stargate episodes yeah. overall. Yeah, I can see that. So close, Rowan. Very, very, very close. Yeah. Yes. You know, if, if I had decided, I, huh? I haven't said that, I was like, yeah. very good. Yes. All right. We have Justin. Hi, Justin. Justin says... My name is Jonas. I'm translating for the Celts. Thanks for books on Severus, but, sir, this is my hunch. This is clearly a song, and I'm not recognizing the, the, the where he's going for. Come uh. walk next to me. Look at all my bling. Just a greedy thing. You fell into my trap. I don't know. Sam saw through <laughs> your crap. Jack, don't trust your bluff. Tilk said, indeed, Aiden gets himself tied up. Warwick... Warwick and Jack team up time... The prisoners were getting away. Jonas said, hey, Jack, let's go. It's okay. Hammond said, welcome to Earth. The trope was sus. The ship was (laughs) sus. The pretty guy, the grabby gal, and the serial killer guy are friends who we can take take a chance on. Sam can be flattered. 
thanks to Jonas, Jack, and a failed Pete period check. Uh, SG1 survives another day. Three from Brent and 3.0 from Zach. Close. By the way, there is a Patreon goal where Zach gives up half point. Is there a Patreon goal where Zach gives up half point Chevrolet? <laughs> there should be. Huh. There should be. There, that, that is interesting, Justin, and we will discuss it. So I'm wondering, are you, is that the theme song for Aqua Teen Hunger Force? My name is Jonet. No, it doesn't. No, it isn't. All right. Never mind. I, I don't, I'm not I picking no up what you're putting down. So He's going to have to, somebody have did to, though. Yep. Well. Other than Justin. I, I sure hope so. That's the rule. Well, that is, or we can mock him mercilessly. That's right. That's the idea. <laughs> All right. So, dear everybody, Justin is one of our dear friends. He is. As a matter of fact, I will be seeing Justin in a couple of weeks. Okay. I need to know, dear friends, if any of you picked up the reference that Justin got. Because if you did, then I can say, okay, Justin, we're good. We're good. If not, I can mock him mercilessly. Mercilessly. I need your help. Yes. Help. Help, Help me, me. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Walking through the Stargate, you're my only hope. Help me walking through the Stargate. All right. Um, now I have to check to see if we have anything I'm in the I'm suddenly other reminded that people have on more than a few occasions tried to get gatewalkers to be a thing. And now it's making me... So apparently, like... Well, we do technically call it gatewalkers or gate joggers and gate marathoners. Yeah, and, but they were like, make a hashtag out of it. And I like, came across that. That was like from three years ago. And someone was like, you should do that. And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> So, I, I am totally on board with that, dear folks, um, but... We're kind of bad at social media. We're bad at social media, so we need your help to make it happen. That's true. All right. Uh, that is what we have there for Facebook. Nice. Uh, we Thanks, do folks. have some uh, emails. We start with Dan. Hi, Dan. Unfortunately, I must disclose some disturbing information. Evidently, last week I didn't make it past security at the Pentagon for my review was not accounted for. I am forsaken. <laughs> See what I did there. <laughs> yes, yes. Some folks last week did, in fact, turn something in after we had already recorded. Um, and I, well, that, that's what happens. That's what happens. I enjoy Forsaken a fair amount. Okay, says. okay. It's a fun episode that has a different spin than normal. The misinformation slash deception was a bit obvious because of the picture, but I enjoy it nonetheless. Can I just point out the hilarious moment when the guy is shooting blindly into the forest after Warwick? My god, I think stormtroopers were more accurate. <laughs> oh, I, you know, the fact that uh, Pender couldn't even hit his own people when he was basically having to aim through them to hit something else. That's a decent point. Is, yes, I, I agree with you 100% on that one. Uh, to think he goes on in this at next show to be a SWAT sniper. Disappointing for sure. I don't know what that is. One of his other roles. There you go. Well, if he is a SWAT sniper in another role, then maybe he learned a new lessons. But I don't know. He did, <laughs> continue. Lessons to be learned. Okay. In Forsaken. Uh -huh. Number one. Mm -hmm. When you have obvious sexual tension, use obvious metaphors for sex. I plug your ship into my battery. Oh my gosh, I the forgot about that. The line might not age well, but for the time, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I'm sure that teenage me would probably have been like... <laughs> <laughs> 
Number He's, two. She said battery. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, telescopes work better in darkness. Uh One would imagine, given Jack's affinity for them, he would know this. Number three, every guy likes gas. Every guy likes gas. Gals, not so much. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. They haven't met the gals I know. Your your gals like gas? (laughs) Hey, I've got stories. Won't tell, I won't share them here, but... uh... All right. Number four, Braveheart, while historically inaccurate, is actually my favorite Mel Gibson movie. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I like The Patriot a little better. I have only seen The Patriot once, and I thought, well, this is just, you know, uh, Braveheart yes. in the United States. Yes. Well, not in the United States, yes. technically, but... However, the um, the accuracy of the props and apparel, and uh, it, was, it, it was stellar. It was good? It was very good. Well, you being a former... Yes. Um, Revolutionary, Revolutionary War, War reenactor, reenactor mm-hmm. would, uh, would know that. Yes. So. If you really want a good, uh, good, a good uh, idea about what uh, late 18th century uh, American colonies looked like, watch The Patriot. If you want a good story, don't watch The Patriot. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot sit through a three-hour movie again for a bad story. <laughs> but no. No. But the next stocks, Zach. The next stocks. No little tie things. Go around your neck. Number five. Oh, okay. Charging by the hour for new customers of Sam's Spaceship Service is actually a good idea. I w- they would probably pay good money. Yeah. Number six. Always be suspicious of a woman who kisses on the first date. No. Always <laughs> check all the links you leave on Facebook for reviews for your podcast. Oh, wait. <laughs> I thought I did. <laughs> uh, I suppose it's possible. If I am missing some reviews, it's because Facebook is Facebook. Oh, Facebook's evil. Facebook is literally the worst. All right. I think the guys will enjoy the episode, especially the end. I have the giggles every time I watch this one with a look on Tannis's face when she realizes Jonah's double-crossed, or is it triple-crossed at this point, her. Uh, I'll give it a five and a half. Uh-huh. Rent a five because he doesn't realize this actually does. Uh, and Zach a five and a half as well. Uh huh. Provided, of course, Zach reads his email this week. For all I know, he may just read Facebook only to make up we for last the week. We read emails. No. Did I, I cut the emails last week did, or something? I don't know. Did I miss an email? Uh, now I have to go. Oh, it doesn't matter. Don't all worry right. about it. Anyway, so we have Susie. Hi, Susie. This is one of those episode titles which draws a blank. Not very memorable episode, or maybe just poorly titled? Yeah, it is for poorly titled. I don't really know. Oh yeah, I don't know why they call it It's a routine story of figuring out who are the real bad guys. Everybody is operating on gut instincts. Jack is skeptical from the beginning. Teal'c isn't sure what he thinks. Sam is busy fending off the advances of the flirty Arden Corso. Jonas gets to set up his own sting operation back at the SGC. Aha. Yeah. It all gets sorted out, and everybody and everyone lives happily ever after, mm-hmm. except for the three prisoners. Presumably, they don't live happily ever after. I mean, they're on Earth. It could be worse. Well, maybe. I thought maybe, maybe they get put back on on Warwick's ship. Could be, but I thought that Jonas was going to send them to like a lava planet or something. Well, that would be bad because he would go with them. I mean, the thing was obviously. The, 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 that lava planet idea quickly evaporated. See what I did there? Wait, that doesn't work. Anyway, um, it didn't you, matter. Did you forsake it? I forsake it because <laughs> you're right. Jonas was all like, no, don't worry. No big deal. But for a beat, I thought he was going to send them to someplace that they didn't want to go. There you go. 
Because here's the thing. How did he know he was going to get caught? He didn't know he was going to get oh, caught. Oh, it was... Yes. Anyway. Uh, Susie continues. I'll give it a three and a half. An average episode with yep. an extra half chevron for Dion Johnstone's fabulous work as Warwick. Yeah, he does a good job. 100%. Yes. Four and a half from Zach for a little foreshadowing and in keeping with his half chevron streak. Well, he, I mean, you did give it three and a half. I did give it three and a half. Yeah, that's right. Brent is going to give it three. Why? I'm going to go with my gut. That's a decent gut reaction. Yep. Close. Very close. Very close. All right. Thank you, Susie. And we have David. Hi, David. David. David is an evil alien chevron encoding bias buffer. But which one? Or is it? <gasps> I didn't see that coming. It's a double, triple, crample cross it's... with with the you know sausage McBuffman patty or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and hash browns. <laughs> vegan. The vegan. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. The good new aliens. Sure. Carter teching the tech. Yes. Laser ba- blasters going pew pew. That was all right. Yeah, I agree. That, those were the good. The, yeah. The bad. The tropes. Yeah. So many tropes. Yeah. Yeah. The good guys are the bad guys. The bad guys are the good guys. The mysterious message that changes everything. Yeah, I guess. Our heroes are susceptible to seduction because the other person has a high charisma stat. <laughs> Come on, Sam. You're better than that. Yeah, Even Jonas didn't fall for the flattery. This is one of those, we're nearing the end of the season and we need filler before Um, we get to the real story. Yeah. Okay, fine. I get it. It happens every season and I say the same thing every time. It's just not that good of a standalone episode and its season placement is not great. Right. To quote another reviewer, they went through the gate, got into trouble, got out of it, and went home. Yep. The end. No one learns anything and the meta plot is not advanced, forgettable, and mostly skippable. Brent, four chevrons. Right on the money. Because of some decent actions, and we get a new alien, but still meh. Yep. Zach. Yeah. Four chevrons oh, as oh. well for exactly the same reasons. Oh, so close! So close. Very good. Very good. Very good. Uh, thank you, dear all, for your predictions. Yes. Um, uh, I am reading this. Why does my phone... Oh, yeah, because it is. I am reading this at 5.30 yeah. Central Time yeah. as we record this. Which is norm- which is hours after we normally do. Our- normally we record in the morning. Yeah. So, if you turn in your stuff on Facebook before this, send me an email and let me know because <gasps> then I need to talk about Facebook things. We should get off of... Okay, no, I'm not going to go there just yet. Everybody knows that the day that walking through the Stargate is no longer on Facebook is a day I'm going to be turning cartwheels, and that's going to be a problem because I can't turn cartwheels. You could do one. Once. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Brent. Yes. The next episode. Yes. Is called The Changeling. Oh, boy. Okay. What is The Uh, Changeling about? uh, The Changeling... Uh, Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travels through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. They think that they are seeing old friends. They are looking at a new base. Here we go. They're looking at a new base for the Tolan. We haven't seen them in quite a while. Uh, Indeed, they, they did escape 
absolute destruction, though they are 100% on the back foot compared to where they used to be. They exchange some information. They reminisce about old times. We see that one guy that has the hots for Samantha. I can't remember his name. Whatever. That guy. Nareem. Didn't he die? He possibly died. He, well, he didn't see him die. He did not see him die. So he's back. But, however, unbeknownst to our heroes, we see him cut around the corner and shapeshift <gasps> into... Oh my goodness! What were those creatures that used to shapeshift several seasons ago? There was like a hundred of them. We had that special, like, thing. No, they didn't shapeshift. They were invisible. Never mind. I can't remember. He shapeshifts into Apophis. He shapeshifts it. You're not allowed to help me on these. Whatever. It's, it, this is a special You know day. what? This is a special occasion. It's a special occasion. Join us next time where that guy shapeshifts as a changeling into Apophis on the changeling. So. Yeah. Yeah. Do we get to see Apophis? As a matter of fact, we do. No, you're kidding me. Shall we watch the promo? Oh, you're kidding <laughs> Okay, let's watch this. <laughs> I gotta make sure my, my volume is up. Okay, here we go. All right. On the next Rocky Mountain Fire and Rescue. Team. <laughs> what? This is Major Sir. I know. When facing a medical crisis, Big T must sort out his fears. You're right. But visions of uh, the what? Life, even questioning his sanity. You were afraid to die. Oh my gosh! What? Because you know I'm waiting for you in the afterlife. Hey, get your ass out of there! That's an order! Who will be there for Big T in his darkest moments? I'm Dr. Dan Jack. Hey! Psychologist here. Oh no. Uh oh. Oh, more flirting. Hey! Wait, he's in a wheelchair. You want to tell me what the hell you're thinking? It's yep. all <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is going on? Holy cow! I'm excited for this one. Good, good job with the Apophis thing, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll be honest. When I suggested Apophis in your... Yes. I had was not thinking that, that Apophis actually does show up there. And, and then, then when you, you said it, I'm like... Actually, <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, um, little teaser. Yeah. Next week's episode, the story was written by Christopher Judge. Oh, okay. Uh, it was the story is by Christopher Judge and yeah. Brad Wright. The yeah. teleplay is by Brad Wright. Got it. Okay. Yep. 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 So there you go. Nice. That's gonna be fun then. Yeah. Okay. So next week is the Changeling. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you right now, Brent. In two weeks from now, um, I will not be available for podcasting. Fine. So we can probably toss up one of those uh, Patreon first things yes. that week. So we will get through the change thing, and then we'll take a week off and then do some other stuff. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. Awesome. All right. So um, thank you very much, David, for the promo. Tell us what you think and all of that fun stuff. Email us, Walking Through the Stargate, Twitter, Facebook, all of those fun things. Patreon! Woo! Yep. Brent, this has been delightful. This was actually really nice yeah <laughs> uh we had some crinkling of leaves throughout this uh I'll i don't envy your having to fix that in post i bet it's gonna sound really nice i hope it sounds wonderful yeah we did have some cars drive through we had some people walk through but it's a beautiful area and it's just a gorgeous day and i got to hang out with my good good friend brent yes uh in person this yep. time yep 
So with all of that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate, a special in-person edition. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. Carter, <laughs> dial it up. Get these people home.